0: Welcome to the Crater Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss all the JavaScript news that's happened on Crater.io this week. This episode is for Thursday, December 31st, 2015. This week's episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They are the single best hosting option available for Meteor right now. Go to Modulus.io and check them out. They offer a marketplace, they offer you Mongo databases, it's very easy to integrate with other Mongo databases, you know, they offer WebSocket support with Sticky Sessions, they do everything right for your Meteor app. I use them for everything that I'm doing, I would highly recommend you use them as well. Modulus.io. Welcome, Crater fans, I'm your host, Josh Owens. I'm your co-host, Ben Strahan. Welcome to our last episode of the year. <laughs> yes. Yes. What a year. One day. <laughs> we decided to, to bump it up a little bit so we could uh, record it before the year ended. Get some goodies mm-hmm. out. Maybe, maybe by Friday, this will actually be in your, your feeds, in your ear. Are
1: you excited for uh, 2016, Josh?
0: Yeah, I definitely am. It's going to be a big year. Yeah, it'll be an interesting year. <laughs> yes,
1: that's what, that's a better way to describe it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know about big, right? I saw a picture and someone's like, uh, was it in the random chat room? I think, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like <laughs> when you thought 2015 was going to be your year, but here we are. And it's like this girl like pulling away and falling down from her mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling next year will be a lot like that too. <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I am wrapping up my second week off oh, from nice. OK Grow. Yeah. Just like hammering out books and uh reading a bunch of new technical stuff and
0: nice. It's fun. I'm getting ready for 2016. You should have told me we could have paired on all this terrible crater spam I've been dealing with. <laughs> oh, Yeah. That's been a battle, right? Yeah. Like I'll just apologize to readers and and listeners. Like it's been a terrible fight. Uh, So at first like the the problem was we were getting like one to two posts a day where people are like, Oh, go watch this pirated movie online. And then (laughs) like all of a sudden it blew up one day, probably about a month ago, maybe a little over a month ago. It was like, you know, breast augmentation in Orange County or chiropractors in Minnesota. And I was like, oh, what is this? (laughs) And like, it's just been getting progressively worse. Since I put in the Akismet spam detector, we've had 118 posts and like 69 of those have been spam at least. Wow. So it's, it's pretty bad, but I think I've got it mostly figured out. I wrote an a Kismet package for telescope. It turns out. So I, I also did some other stuff. I need to write a blog post about this, but definitely I, I moved to my own load balancing setup since I got tired of waiting for my invite to, uh, uh, what do you call it? Galaxy. I just, I made my own galaxy. <laughs> with just nginx and uh it's load balancing and i got it compiled so that it it can do out-of-band health checks which means that basically it can just every few seconds go check to make sure the server's up normally nginx you gotta sit there and wait and you get a 500 error and then it'll be like oh we should stop sending requests there but these out-of-band checks are a little better theoretically should detect it down faster But one thing that happened is that it turns out Akismet needs an IP address to, like that's a big part of how it determines spam. The IP address I was sending was 127.001. And (laughs) so I started poking, and apparently there's a HTTP forwarded account environment variable you can set for Meteor, and it'll look at the X forwarded for headers, and it'll pick like how far back it needs to go. So then I got that working and it turned out that like I was, I was getting the IP of the proxy. Um, mm. and, it, and so I started poking even more and it turned out like I, I had a typo in my exported for header setting in the load balancer. So I got all that fixed and I'm kind of hoping that <laughs> now a Kismet will start working properly. So we'll see.
1: Wow. Wow. What's the feedback loop on that? Like you fix one thing and you're like, And discovering the next thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it all started like, I'm going to make Crater faster. And so I ended up spending like three days on that. And, you know, I I will say this, like moving to a multi-server setup with a load balancer, it's been been a dream. Like, Mm. uh, you know, it's definitely like people were seeing slowness on Crater because things were blocking on the server. And anytime, you know, the event loop got blocked up, in Node, like you're just sitting there waiting for something to happen. And so now that we have two servers, like those blocks seem distributed and, and much, much better. So, very cool.
1: Yeah. Craters on the map now. You know, once spammers find you, then that means that you're
0: legit. The problem is, like, I'm also seeing, I don't know if this is just a downward holiday, holiday trend or. Google's like penalizing me for this spam that's on the site, but I'm definitely seeing a downtrend in the Google traffic at the moment. I bet you it's the holiday. Probably it's probably a little of both. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm trying to catch them. The next step is probably like you'll have to have positive karma before you can post. I got I got to look at the karma system a little bit, but I've got more ideas to to make it even harder to spam. Yeah. I was looking at uh, Stack Overflow and like you, you can only do certain things when you first sign up for an account. It is so annoying, but it is,
1: it's probably one of the keys to their success.
0: They're anti-spam because I mean, it, it takes you like you, you have to like successfully answer a question mm-hmm. before you can even like leave a comment anywhere. Yes. So it's yeah. like... That's, that's quite the brass ring there, in my opinion. Yeah. As a spammer, if you're going to take the time to answer that question, like chances are you can find some other hack forum to spam faster.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I first got on it, I, I was a new developer and, and I wanted to like post a comment to expand like a question, like ask another question, right? I, I couldn't believe I couldn't post a comment. I was like, what kind of website is this?
0: <laughs> yep, yep, crazy. But,
1: but it really is valuable now all the content is, is valuable there. Mm -hmm. They have a very passionate (laughs) ecosystem. People administer it very well because of that. Yeah. So that man, you might be onto something. Yeah. Maybe a whole slew of like blog posts for 2016.
0: I, I really do have a lot because, uh, the other thing that I did too was like trying to speed it up. I was looking at some of the, um, indexes that i had and so it turns out like a little known fact if your sort stuff isn't in your index and it's not in there in the proper order you're going to do what they call like a scan and sort and that's really terribly expensive and slow um so even with an index you may end up having a slow query because you didn't create your index right and so mm. like like in telescope we do a query that says status to you know post it at less than blah 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 and then you do the sort stuff, right we sort by like posted ad and score yeah score mm-hmm. and posted ad and all that stuff. so you actually have to do status and then score, and then you know any of the sort stuff you do, and then you do post it at at the very end and so if you 're doing like an inquiry, dollar sign inquiry or a less than or greater than that needs to be at the end of your index otherwise it's it 's going to have to do that sorting in the server rather than just pull it out in the sorted order.
1: Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I Crazy think you stuff. you might have like a a performance service on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: already did. I already did.
1: Yeah, you had like a security
0: service, right? No, it's performance. What, whoops. sorry. Yeah, Pete's with security. But yes, that's right. It of turns course. out, you Honestly. know, at the end of the day, like if they're not sure what they're doing with performance, they're not sure what they're doing with security either. So yeah. most my, my code reviews turned into both. Yes,
1: that's why I got confused because like you come across things that you just can't like glaze over. You have to mention it.
0: Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's so like glaringly obvious that they don't have deny rules or something, or right. <laughs> they're, not, they're not. They're oh, let's just take a user ID and not bother to check anything. And see that yep. logged in. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Let's get into the show, man. Right. Exciting stuff. So this week we're going to talk about Respondly mm-hmm. Tracker 2.0 Meteor. And GraphQL, Ooh. unit testing with Meteor 1.3, it's not even out yet. And JavaScript fatigue, ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Yeah, so we got some good news here. Yeah, yeah, this was super interesting. So this buffer acquired Respondly. This is not the first exit for a Meteor shop application. But I think this is maybe, I don't know if this is bigger or not. But respondly, I think, like, had a bigger base, right? So if you look back, the other one was Stream, uh, S-T-R-E-E-M, acquired by Dropbox. And I don't think they had a whole lot of customers. And honestly, like, I haven't seen a whole lot come out. I hear sometimes whisperings that Dropbox uses Meteor, uh, for playing around with things, but I, I just don't think like it really changed the culture of Dropbox, right?
1: Well, it was bought by Box, right? Not Dropbox. Oh,
0: it was Box. You're right. Not Dropbox. Box.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it was definitely like MVP stream yeah. at the time. So it makes
0: me think it was an acquire hire. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking as well. But, you know, I think this is interesting because this isn't an acquire hire. Buffer legitimately wanted to have some kind of customer service uh, social media tool. And they said it felt like they felt like it was going to take them uh, at least a year and a half, probably around 18 months to get to $100,000 monthly uh, run rate. That's their mark of where they want that product to be. And they felt like it was going to take them too long to get there for the amount of time they'd spend on it. And so instead, they just went out and spent some cash to acquire Respondly. I think they've already kind of renamed it to Respond and changed the look of it a little bit. And they're working on revamping the entire UI of the system. But, you know, there there was a lot of questioning concern like, oh, are they going to move away from Meteor? I think, you know, us, obviously in this community, we're kind of curious about that. They've actually come out and said that they're going to stick around on Meteor and that, you know, the the CTO has been playing with it and he enjoys it. So, you know, they they have no no plans to move it anytime soon. I think this is really just a, hey, you've got a product. We've got an audience. Let's figure out how to make this work. And we can probably like bring in a lot more revenue with your product. Mm -hmm. uh, It'll benefit both parties involved. So...
1: It's a win for the meteor community
0: for sure, yeah, the fact that they're sticking around, I think is a is a good win that they're mm-hmm. not gonna just necessarily leave the meteor community,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. congratulations, guys, indeed indeed, yep. pretty awesome, yeah, absolutely so tracker two point oh so for those that don't know what tracker is, a lot of times you think like. Blaze is magical when you're making your Meteor apps and things just happen. But Tracker is the thing in the background that invalidates dependencies and reruns them. So when new data is available, things get uh, invalidated and rerun, and then you get an update on your screen, and that's Tracker running. So James Gilmore, which is, is this spacey, spacey? This is Facey spacey. spacey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Very Cool. I stay out of the forum, so I'm sorry. No. But we brought this up this article, and it's called uh, Tracker 2.0. We're going to have a link to it in the show notes. Definitely encouraged to read it. It's, it's great, man. It was a fun read. This is a long read. It was a long read. It, it a long read <laughs> yeah. But I can appreciate it because, like, this week I've been reading all these technical books, and, and this article kind of reads like that, where it lays out the problem, it provides a good argument, and then it provides a solution. That's just the the mood that I'm in this week, I guess. So I appreciated how, how it was written. If it was like during the work week, I would not read this whole thing. Mm. Like I, I, need, I need my articles under four minutes during the work week. Like <laughs> I have no patience, really. So I like Abi Ayer's articles.
0: Yeah, you know, like, there were so many to choose from and a lot of articles that, you know, it it didn't make the list, but he's been putting out some good ones, too. Yeah, nice and short and crisp.
1: Anyway, I don't want to take away from this. This is a great article for Tracker 2.0. Now, it's not saying that Tracker 2.0 is official. Like, he's not, like, writing an article about, like, oh, this is a great new Tracker 2.0 coming from MDG. This is exposing the issues of Tracker 1.0.
0: Right. And... His thoughts on what 2.0 should be, right? Yep,
1: exactly. It's interesting because he wrote it. So there's some obvious issues with Tracker 1.0. I would point you guys to the article to really understand it because he lays it out very well. A lot of people are saying, hey, like there's Redux out there. You know, it handles reactivity pretty efficiently. Mm -hmm. And like, let's just go that route. This whole article was written by James to like say, hold on, hold on, like, Tracker, like you don't need to throw it away,
0: right? Yeah, I agree totally. Yeah. And I, you know, this is a big problem anyway, right? Like I, I feel mm-hmm. like MDG is willing to throw away a lot of stuff just because it's not seen as the like the latest and greatest tool
1: necessarily, or maybe they don't want to be the maintainer of open source software.
0: I think that's a big part of it as well. It gets, yeah. it definitely gets pricey. You know, having maintained Crater over the last like two to three weeks, uh, it's definitely into my billing time as well. (laughs) So I, I certainly understand that stuff.
1: It's expensive and time consuming to maintain open source projects. Like I, I have a bunch that are private and I will not release it. And I really am envious of the guys, uh, like Aaron Oda that just like release stuff like crazy because like my big fear is maintaining it.
0: It, yeah, I mean, it can be, you know, it can get a little expensive to maintain it. But at the same time, I think that you can end up with better software, right? And so to me, like, we used to have this unofficial saying at one of the dev shops I worked at, and it was like, we're better together. Uh, We did pair programming there and everything like that. And the idea was like, you know, two people thinking about a problem, it's likely going to come up with a better solution than just one person. And I think that open source tends to leverage a lot of that, you know, you have stuff like this post where someone's talking about it and, um, you know, maybe it gets the ball, ball rolling. It's the conversation started and, and someone can key off of this and and start working on something new. Who knows? So I I do, I do like that aspect of it. I do too. There's
1: another aspect where, especially in the media world, uh, where media is attracting a lot of new developers, and so you get tons of issues of just like questions of like how to do this, how to do that. Really it's people lacking a deeper understanding. So they're not offering solutions. They're, they're just taking up the time of the people that should be pushing a library forward. Mm-hmm. And that is like a Grinch. I know I'm a Grinch. You guys could like blast me on Twitter if you want for saying that, but it's just another thing to concern myself with and ask myself before I release something. Yeah, and I, and I don't mind it. Like the libraries out there that that I do maintain, I think it's great, and to help people level up. Like I needed that when I was young. I was like a, a groveler at the master's table. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I would see some response to issues. I was like, oh, this is what I needed. Nice. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm gonna nice. get off my high horse now. But anyway, so I really like this article. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, and I I want to say too, like I appreciate. You know James writing this stuff and like sharing it and thinking about a lot of this stuff, so I started watching a thread over on the relay github repo uh, the Facebook one. It was about doing like live updating subscriptions and how they're like sort of figuring out what that looks like and and uh are you subscribed to that too (laughs) yeah and then like out of the blue like i just get an email in my inbox and it's james and he's like over there talking and mentioning meteor and saying like hey we've already got a lot of this stuff so like we could maybe implement it in a smart way that that meteor could hook into and I'm just like, yeah, that that is super awesome. I'm glad he's over there being an ambassador at least, uh, if if no one else is at this point. But mm-hmm. somebody's thinking about it and paying attention. We're just stalkers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's like uh super relevant and interesting to us, right? Because I feel like I came to Meteor because of like the the reactive stuff and like how it's all wired up already for you and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm interested to understand when I could potentially leave Meteor or stick with Meteor, but use slightly different tooling. Who knows? So, Meteor meets GraphQL. Indeed. You know, I read this a couple days ago, and I meant to glance at it before we get started again. Um, Basically, this is like... A tutorial and a marriage of some packages. There's a Kadir GraphQL and there's a Laka. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, package as well, which is like a uh, React kind of client interface that Aeronoto created. I believe did he create Laka? Uh, I want to I say I assume yeah. Assume that. So yeah. that, I might be like being confused with Sika. Yeah. The names sound closely related. I don't know. Well, here we go. Lock API. Yeah, that's definitely a Kadir thing as well. You know, he walks you through, like, setting up your, all your, like, the GraphQL stuff that he's written. And it's, it's kind of nice. Like, uh, you know, he's got, a like, a GraphQL landing page where you can see your schemas. And then, you know, he walks through, like, building and registering a schema And then shows you how to use uh, Laka to subscribe to it, essentially, like pull that info in and and then get it all set up and react. And then, you know, boom, it's just like all flowing. So the interesting thing to me is that, uh, number one, like he's got all this working with Meteor, which is awesome. And then number two, like this means that we're no longer necessarily reliant on Mongo as our data source, right? So now if we can get it to work with GraphQL, then you know you, you've got a way to easily bring in GraphQL data as well. Did you see
1: that uh retweet from Aeronoda? I think it was today. No. Where someone got this going, wired it up to Postgres?
0: Oh, really? To me, that's the super interesting thing. Um, you know, people people are sitting here thinking about how to get GraphQL and Postgres working or GraphQL like I'm hearing that uh, RethinkDB has committed to like being GraphQL compatible right and so nice boom you've got another data source now we no longer have to wait on MDG I think maybe that's going to be a lost cause in the end like waiting on MDG to get us more data sources
1: (laughs) yeah I think MDG is like restructuring themselves preparing like they're moving out of the inventing phase Mm-hmm. And, and and they're growing into a profitable in the black company. So uh it would make sense. And they they've come out and uh said that GraphQL looks really interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean they they've said they wanted to steer this way anyway, you know, and I, I'm sure in The fashion that they do, they're going to take some time and and do some uh, research and experimentation and then come out and tell us what they're going to build and then go build it and then we'll get it. So if I had to guess, maybe we'll see something by like April, I don't know. Or they
1: might surprise us and and invent something, you know, and this is a good segue to our next talk if we wanted to talk a little bit about 1.3. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and because it, it was interesting, because at first they like showed interest in Webpack as well, mm-hmm. and now one point three comes out, and we talked about the post that Ben Ben Newman talked about, uh, I think like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. where they were gonna just adopt ECMAScript uh, two thousand fifteen module system mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, over Webpack and kind of build build out all over that. Well, so now one point three. Has been released for testing.
0: Yeah, there's like a beta out there.
1: Yep, yeah. So our boy Pete went ahead and released an article. as like super awesome mm-hmm. about now we now that we got module support, we can have awesome unit testing. Mm-hmm. And so over at, on his blog on East Fifth, we got unit testing with Meteor one point three. Awesome article. What do you think about all this testing? stuff josh because you had a you had a testing course
0: so i think it's super interesting so the you know the the problem was that if you want to do some kind of testing with meteor there was no way to just incrementally say i need this code and i want to run a test on this code. right right so the build tool would like give you everything and so we need a way to just say like load this code up and then you can do a unit test and a unit test is like we don't care about testing Meteor itself. We just care about testing this particular piece of code we wrote. Maybe this piece of code takes a timestamp and converts it into like the most beautiful like time string you've ever seen in your <laughs> life. And you want to test that and make sure like, oh, here's a timestamp. I want to see the beautiful time string come out of it. Right, right. And Meteor being reactive has nothing to do with any of that. But there's there's no easy way for you to just like load this code in. You could do all kinds of crazy tricks to try to make that work. And, you know, frankly, uh, Velocity and um, Jonas, like, they did some interesting things to try to get all this working. But at the end of the day, like, I, you know, the real solution you need is just the ability to say, require this file, and it gets loaded into the environment. And then you can do things like mocking out Meteor calls uh, because I, you know, when I'm running this test, I don't necessarily care that I'm hitting the database. I just want to make sure that the maybe the unit test makes a call to a collection and gets something back. And so that, that would be where you'd mock or stub something out. I, I guess if you don't care, you'd probably stub it out. But this is a good article. I think it I is. Should, should be testing. I'm sad we're in this in-between state, but I'm glad that we're, we're getting somewhere where it can get better. Yeah. And I think in the end, it'll be markedly better. But, you know, we're just kind of living through this pain point right now. But there's a light. And this is what the article is about. Like, there's a light at the
1: end of the tunnel. We're getting to the end of the tunnel soon. And what Josh is alluding to is that uh, right now we're kind of in this purgatory <laughs> where velocity isn't supported and uh and also it's really hard to run unit tests how meteor sends everything it's more geared for end-to-end tests i'm really excited that mdg is still on top of uh ecmascript 2015 it just opens up so much more
0: yeah possibly. I agree, right and so to, to me like an, an analogy to, to this would be like uh you go to the Apple store cuz you want to buy a brand new laptop, like top of the line laptop. And you get there and they're all out of like every type of laptop except the old like 2-year-old Mac. <laughs> right? And and so you like, well, I really you need, need a laptop, but I don't want I don't, I to don't <laughs> buy the 2-year-old laptop, so like it's, you know, it sucks and you just got to wait it out or I don't know. Yeah, I just wait it out at this point. Like that's that's really my plan. I, I think this is great. This walks you through everything that you need to do to to get everything going on, and he even shows you like um, how you can inject your dependencies in there, so if you need to do something. but at the end of the day, like what all this is about like this this incremental like the module loading and all this kind of stuff that we 're getting is about speed. you know when you ran your velocity test before you 're waiting on the build tool to do something, whereas now you can just wait on. Jasmine or Mocha to just load that file up and run the test. And it takes like, you can see there at the end, it's two milliseconds. And uh, I asked him and he said, like, that's just, it's just a straight two milliseconds. It's not like build tool finishes, it runs, then I have two milliseconds on top of the build tool wait time. So instead of like, you know, 12 seconds, you get two milliseconds. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: it's awesome. Thanks, Pete, for writing this. It really makes... A thing that could be a yak shave into something really simple.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you for yak shaving before us. That's really what you mean to say. That's what I mean. Yeah, I yeah. just didn't. Uh, I didn't want to depress him. Yeah. <laughs> We're glad you yak shaved and not us. <laughs> Talking about right. yak shaving. Ooh, right. big yak shave post here, huh? <laughs> I'm just gonna read this. A few days ago, I met up with a friend and peer over coffee. Uh, Saul, how's it going? Me, fatigued. Saul, family? Me, no, JavaScript. (laughs) More accurately, I meant React and the JavaScript ecosystem that comes with it. Seriously. And so, like, I'll say, I'm reading this article and I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly kind of how I've felt lately because I, I feel like since we've added React support, we're like, bilaterally like getting all this javascript kind of fatigue flowing into our community as well wouldn't you agree Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 Yeah, totally and so you know he's got a tweet quote here too many newbies getting overwhelmed by react's learning curve why and that's (laughs) hunt which is the guy that like yeah kind of spearheaded react uh and then someone else uh pointed out they were talking to Dan uh, Abramov. I assume that's how you say that. This is killing me that setting up a JS project is so damn hard. Took me an entire evening last time. And it's like, this is why I'm a Meteor. You know, this is exactly why I'm a Meteor because setting all this crap up is not something I want to spend time doing. I don't care about it. And at the end of the day, To me, it's a terrible exercise to spend your time on. Like if you're interested in writing a framework, absolutely go spend your time on it. But Mm -hmm. chances are, you know, you're going to be like a a bit player, right? You're never going to be Angular. You're never going to be React. And it's going to be hard to catch them. And I don't see job markets coalesce around like quadrary, you know, players in the space. If you want to have a a vibrant job market and a growing ecosystem around uh, a framework you have to do a good job of like killing these kinds of concerns in my opinion and Mm -hmm. like react itself isn't doing that right now i still think they're on a path to do it and i think that a lot of people are seeing this i mean pete hunt saying why is it so hard you know, or Dan Abramoff being mentioned in these, like these guys work at Facebook and they're working on React. And I think that they're going to start thinking about this stuff.
1: They will. It'll come around to it. Like I'm, I'm thinking right now, it's probably like a small team that's been there from the beginning at Facebook uh, or from the beginning of when React started. It's working on this and they haven't like added a big drove of more more developers onto it. And it's gonna come like it's just like any code base. Like, say you work on a large project, you got a large code base, and it's like you and one other guy, and you're building it. And all of a sudden, the other guy goes, and then the new guy comes in, and they're like, "What am I looking at?" Or you're reviewing his code, and you're like, "Oh, you don't need to do that. I already got a helper function doing that here." Dah, dah, dah. Mm-hmm. And to us, it's like, "Why is it so hard for you to understand?" And the new guy's like, "Wow, there's a mountain in front of me."
0: Yeah, 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 totally. Right? Like, it's it's definitely like the knowledge level that you've attained, right? And right. Like, if you're way up here, it's hard for you to understand like what kind of problems are happening way down at the bottom. No.
1: And if you're the inventor or you're there while you're inventing stuff, you can remember every decision that you made on why you had to like do this and why you had to do that. Yeah. Um, a new person coming in, none of those questions are answered. They don't even know if they have those questions yet. Right. It's more than just react, you know, like it's the ecosystem that comes
0: right. with it. and that, well, that's yeah it's the fact that you have brunch or you have webpack or you have like all these numerous tools that you could choose around or in between or you know whatever like they started talking about yaoman and plop and how like you can have generators and just i mean you know the the article goes on and on and on about like
1: well there's so there's a lot of new things out there there's a lot of buzzwords out there a lot of Webpack's got a lot of press, so you're like, oh, well, if I'm going to learn React, I might as well, like, get Webpack to build my stuff. Okay, I'm going to learn Webpack. Oh, it's taking forever. Okay, I'm going to learn Webpack. Great. All right, I'm into React. Oh, how do I work, handle CSS? Oh, I'm going to, like, learn CSS modules or Radium right. or JSS. And you're like, well, which one's the one I should pick? Okay, well, well,
0: you know, the problem is a lot it goes of the- on and on. Setting up a lot of these tools, it's it's a very explicit thing to do, right? Like you have to you have to actually spell everything out, which we're sort of moving to with Meteor One Point Three, right? We get like the the ES Twenty Fifteen module loading, and like I think you'll you'll probably see like a auto loader package that will do what Meteor does now, but then you'll be able to like you know pull the <laughs> it's like ripping away the the uh, tablecloth and like leaving all the dishes there, there's going to come a point where you're just going to have to say like, we need to be able to incrementally load the files we need. And you know, that that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here. A lot of these tools you have to just set up those needs ahead of time. And I think that it's, it's hard to understand and appreciate uh, what you're going to need when you're just getting started with something. I
1: felt this way too. And when I got in, when I started this week of learning right now, I had a decision to make either do I like learn a modern stack right now and try to like monkey patch where I'm like missing some knowledge of basic JavaScript or ECMAScript 2015, or do I like go back to basics and like just like strengthen my foundation and then be able to like jump into these other libraries quicker. And I decided to like go back and like uh, strengthen my foundation in JavaScript. That's interesting. I would
0: have gone the other way. <laughs>
1: well, and I started doing that and I just was running into a bunch of yak shaving stuff. And I'm like, I want to have a better overview of stuff. And like I'm reading these books and 80, 90% of the stuff I already know. Mm-hmm. But then I get to 10% and I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. there is some syntax out there that, and especially with uh, 2015, there's stuff that i am just like, okay, I kind of understand. Mm-hmm yeah that's the way that I took because I was getting fatigued and and you know I want to do the safe bet, which is right now there's a lot of dust uh, stirred up all right, where's it going to settle? No one really knows. we got some directions. What I do know for sure is that I need to have a solid grasp on 2015 and I have to get a solid grasp on how how these things are like structured, these libraries and stuff like that and, and I decided to go with that first, and now when I dive into uh, React project and the decisions that I'm faced with to make. Now I could like, I don't know, I'm better equipped. At least for me, that's that's my way of of making a decision. And guess what? I'm not so fatigued anymore. Hmm. It's interesting because before I was like, it was like this unknown thing.
0: Well, you know, part of this too is like, as a developer, you gotta you gotta like get work done every day, right? Like, in and all this stuff is happening, and all these people are talking and. Like you're, you're hearing that conversation across the room and you're like, what is that thing? Like, I should probably know about that thing they're doing over there, but you're like, but I got to get this done. And like that, that can be a very, very tough thing to like, I think that contributes sometimes to the fatigue and that's what, what they're kind of getting at here. And that's where I was. Right. But, uh, right. you know, I, I think my point is like, you've, you've been able to take two weeks off and, and kind of play around with things and, and take the time to sit down and see what what's going on. And sometimes that's what's needed. But I also think, like, you know, that he makes some points towards the end of the article that he thinks there needs to be some kind of rapid application development tooling out there for doing prototyping. And that's kind of what's missing in the React system. I've kind of got got a lot of thoughts here. And I've been thinking about, like, writing a response post to this. Yeah. And, And Meteor could be that answer right yeah could, could be.
1: depends on, on my post i'd session. be
0: like ha ha meteor
1: yes yeah but we're like kind of in a in a state of
0: like disarray a little bit right now too
1: so i mean
0: we are but at the same time like for all the annoyance and teeth gnashing that i do about where things are heading at the same time generally mdg tries to put out a smart release that gives you a path for upgrading.
1: Yes. If we read this and our answer is Meteor, then I think MDG will be really happy. Like they're like, all oh, right, we, we accomplished what we set out to accomplish.
0: Mm-hmm. If,
1: if someone who's familiar with Meteor reads this article and their answer is, yo, like Meteor is the tooling that you're looking for. Yeah. I'm, it's going to be like, hooray. Like that was their, yeah. that was their unique selling proposition right there.
0: Yeah. Like, and I, I think, I think Meteor 1.3 is going to be the the key here, right? Like the module support, honestly, I haven't even pulled down 1.3. But if we get the NPM version 3 support as well, and it's a little more native into the client, uh, along the lines of, you know, you can go into a Meteor app and like add a Cordova package directly to it. Like, I, I never understood why you couldn't do that with NPM back when they came out with that. And I realized like, you know, they didn't, there were different people working on different things, but Uh, My hope is that we're going to see that kind of stuff coming in as well. And that's going to be like, you know, you can just bring in your client-side packaging through NPM and all of a sudden, like, we're full participants in the JavaScript community. And I I feel like we'll maybe be a little more legitimate, legitimized. I don't know. (laughs) I think so, yeah. We're like Joffrey or something right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, illegitimate air, but... (laughs) Maybe we'll be declared a full Baratheon soon. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I could see that. Yeah, totally. Well, here's for hope. Here's for 2016.
0: <sighs> Indeed.
1: Oh, and that's how he ends the article, too. Here's to an exciting 2016. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, well, 2016 is going to be fun. There's no letting up to the momentum that is behind JavaScript. It's not going to slow down at all.
0: No, not at all. I don't. I don't see it happening, right? You know, for all the other talk you have around other languages, you know, it still is the only language that runs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no asterisks except this, you know. But it, it's it. That's the only yeah. one. Yeah. You know, I, I think, frankly, it's it's maybe a little easier to learn than other languages too. Like, it's got its annoyances and idiosyncrasies that you got to deal with, but it's a good option. You know, I've already taught my son some JavaScript and he comprehends it. And I feel like I could have taught him Ruby and he probably would have picked it up just as well. You know, I I also think that JavaScript has the ability to, you know, it's, it's a functional language as well. Right. And so right now, like I think a lot of things are kind of object oriented um, and some of the frameworks and and whatnot but it has the ability to to let you be that that functional programming language as well
1: yep yeah all right guys here's to a great 2015 thanks for being with us
0: yeah definitely i appreciate it you guys are awesome listeners and uh it's been a fun year for sure got a got a bunch of fun stuff planned for 2016 so i'm excited I meant to tell you, I I think I want to try to get either like Peter Hunt or or Pete Hunt or uh, Dan Abramov or someone on meteor club podcast soon talking about some of the react stuff. Dude. Epic. Yeah. (laughs) I think it would be super exciting and and to talk with those guys. It would be. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, if uh, you enjoy the show or you enjoy crater, which I've been, tirelessly de spamming. Uh you can support the show or the site by going to Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com slash Meteor Club. You can patronize me there. (laughs) Kind of a funny way to say it, but I believe that would be accurate still. You can also if you get to the ten dollar level, you get access to the Slack chat room, which is where all the magic happens and you're missing out on it. Sorry. Magic. Magic. <laughs> and big thank you. I haven't talked to Modulus yet, but they were a great sponsor for all of 2016. And they all of 2015. 2015. Wow. I'm already saying 2016. <laughs> <laughs> all of 2015. And, um, you know, I really appreciate them. And, you know, if you guys. Uh, listen to the show. You should tweet at them and say, "Hey, thanks for sponsoring the show. Like, I enjoy the content and appreciate that you guys help them out." So, I don't know if they'll they'll be back. Uh, I sent them an email. We'll see what happens. But uh, definitely, definitely was awesome to have them aboard for sure. So, mm-hmm. Modulus.io. All right, man. We'll see you next year. <laughs> Happy New Year. Yep. Later, guys. This podcast has been a Meteor Club production. You can find out more information about Meteor Club at meteorjs.club. It's pretty easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. Again, that's meteorjs.club.